excited to continue in Exodus today, and that's where we are. If you have your Bibles and want to turn and be with us, we're in Exodus chapter 17. And Exodus, it's Old Testament. You think, why are we doing this? Why are we going through the Old Testament? Why don't we just keep going through the Gospels? And it's because the entire Bible pushes us and grows us and is profitable for you and me to get into and see the wonder of God and what he's done for us. He has done much. Today, I was, I was thinking this morning, I came and I opened my fridge, you know. Do you know a refrigerator is an amazing thing? It like keeps things cold. I got my milk out of it. I was like doing my cereal thing. I do it every morning. And I was like, oh, wow. Praise God that I have milk in a jug that other people like bottled for me. A refrigerator that someone else made. I came here in an automobile that I have no idea really how it works. Sorry, Steve Hazel, if you're here. Some people do, but not me. We live our lives all the time blessed by and helped by other people. Sometimes in ways we don't even know. And an easy message for many of us is, you know what? Make sure that you realize that you're being helped all the time around you. It's easy to even take that from the passage we're going to look at today. You need other people. That is a truth for sure. But that's a truth the world knows. And as we read our Bible today, I want to push you towards seeing again the wonder and the depth of what's going on for you today. Because as we start today's text, and we're in Exodus 17, we start with this massive shadow over us. It's the shadow of the, one of the greatest gifts God ever gave to mankind. He wrote it with his fingers on tablets of stone. It's the Ten Commandments, the law of God. In some sense, even what we're reading now in Exodus is called the law of God. And hanging over us is the wonder of those reasonable, right, true commandments. And in the midst of it, we can start to think, well, you know what? I, I can do this if I just get a little help. If we all band together, if we focus in, all of us, and we start working together and, and, and supporting each other and encouraging each other, we can accomplish the task set before us, which is why I'm calling today's sermon too heavy. It's too heavy for you. I couldn't find a picture that started to add people like all of a sudden there's four of us and 15 and 25 and 37. It's still too heavy. And I want you to see from our text today, as we're given two stories and they have the same point. And because of the gospel, because of the shadow of Sinai, they are way more than make sure you get a little help. The law is too heavy for you and me. And it's the amazing truth, even in the Old Testament, from, the, from eons past, that God planned to send a Savior for you. He's come. Okay, so that's our, our piece. Let's look at it together. Um, Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to start there with fighting Amalek. And again, it's okay. You see these stories, you're like, well, I don't really know if I care about Amalek. That's just fine. See the story with me. Take it in. Walk through it. It's pretty amazing, actually. Because it says there in verse 8, it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. 
Okay, Dax, who are these folks? And why is it just, yeah, that's all we know, right? It's one of Esau's descendants. And the Amalekites there decided that they didn't like Israel. They hated Israel. And they attacked Israel. They came and attacked. At Rephidim, on the way to Mount Sinai, they're almost there. We're going to get there next chapter. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Okay, you should notice something else really interesting in this passage. All of a sudden, Moses is talking to Joshua. Joshua. Who's he? We don't know. It's the first time we've ever met him. Now, you know, you've read a whole book of the Bible called Joshua. But they just throw it in the text, just out of the blue. Here comes, okay, Moses says to Joshua, we don't know who Joshua is. We don't know anything about him. He says, you go pick some men and go fight. Well, good luck with that. They're not fighters. It's not like, we'll take the army out, guys. No, there's a whole nation of slaves, right? Ex-slaves. They've been taken out of Egypt. And there they go. And it says, we'll take a few men and go fight these guys. Joshua will lead. Moses will go stand on the hill. So Joshua, verse 10, did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. That's kind of weird. But Moses' hands grew weary. And so they took a stone and they put it under him and, and, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other side, and so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. That's quite the image, huh? I mean, so Joshua's doing the fighting and Moses is up on the hill and he's holding up his arms. Some people try and make this Jesus on the cross, you know, holding up his arm. But I don't think that's it at all. Not the thieves on either side. It's this picture, right? He's holding up the staff of God. I don't know if you've ever tried that. Take a 10-pound weight on one hand and just hold it out there. See how long you can do it. I tried once. I think I made it like seven and a half minutes. That means probably most of you guys can make it 20 minutes. (laughs) But there's a time at which you will no longer be able to, right? It's just going to get too heavy. And you go, oh, I'm trying. Oh, no. That's his picture with Moses. He's up on the hill, and he's holding up the staff of God. And, and, and then he's getting tired. He's, they prop him up with a rock, you know. But he's still aching shoulders. And so, and, and so what you have is you have Aaron, the priest, holding up one arm, and you've got her. I don't know who her is. Yeah, her is the grandfather of the guy that's in charge of building the tabernacle. So you've got the priest guy, and you've got the tabernacle guy. And in the middle, you've got Moses, the man of God. And they're holding stuff up. And while they do, Joshua on the field is fighting. And Joshua prevails. And in the midst of it, God has a word. But it's not for Moses. Then Yahweh said to Moses, 
write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and he called the name of it Yahweh is my banner, saying a hand upon the throne of Yahweh and Yahweh will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Okay, if you're with me, your questions start flying right away. What in the world? What does God have against Amalek? Why, why, why is he doing that? What's he, why is he going to do this? And you know what? It's the wrong question, I believe, because the Amalekites attacked. They tried to kill Israel, and God, God fought for them. And the one who will be the leader, taking them into the land, fighting for them, leading them, is Joshua. And we're not there yet. That's coming in 40 years. So, so you have this image of first we have what's happening next chapter, which is the coming law, the leading of Moses, the representative of the law, supported by the tabernacle and the priesthood. And, and you know what? It will tire them out. It will reveal their own inability. It will show they are weak, really unable to accomplish what they know they ought to. And their response will be, oh, we'll get a little help. We'll try a little harder. We'll see how that will work. And underneath it all is God, who says to Moses, tell Joshua, I will blot out your enemies and mine. I will... I have said it. I have promised it. It is done. Interesting. And, 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 and I start seeing possibility in that story. Because I know something. Maybe you know it too. That this story's not written right when it happened. This story's written to the people at the very earliest. Moses writing it there as the people are getting ready to go into the promised land. Under Joshua, Moses didn't get to go. But he writes this story and he tells his people their history. And, and, and right before the law, he, he, he has them, the Holy Spirit has them do it, puts in these two stories of, of here's Joshua suddenly leading them in battle while he's on the hill getting tired. And then he tells another story, another one fighting Amalek, and now then you hear of Jethro. Listen to Jethro. It's another interesting story in chapter 18. Let's look at that one. Then we'll put them together. So Jethro, the priest of Midian, chapter 18, verse 1. Moses' father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how Yahweh had brought Israel out of Egypt. That's interesting Jethro. Remember him? Remember, remember when Moses ran away? He, he, he murdered an Egyptian, and, and then he ran into the wilderness, and he ended up living for years, not years, decades, with this family. They're Midianites, and he was a priest of Midian. He wasn't a follower of Yahweh. But Moses married his daughter, and they had kids. That's Jethro. He's a priest of Midian. He's Moses' father-in-law. 
And he heard, he heard the amazing story of God and the plagues and the Red Sea parting and all this stuff. And so, so there he goes. And now Jethro, his father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he'd sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, because he said, the Lord of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Okay. Well, evidently, when Moses and Aaron went to go do the plagues, then, then, then the, and the whole entire deliverance, after that strange scene, if you remember it in Exodus, with the bridegroom of blood, that, that Zipporah went home with the kids. And it's amazing names, right? It's cool. Moses was a sojourner, and God did deliver him, and, and, and look what happened now. It's so amazing. So Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with Moses' sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Oh, now we're at the mountain. Oh, we're going to be camped here for a few weeks, you guys. It's amazing. Came up to the mountain of God and Mount Sinai, and there's, there's, they're still being led by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, right? God's taking them right where he wants to go. And here we're at the mountain, and Jethro is there, and there he is, and he's sent word to Moses. It says, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. And so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and he kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare, and they went into the tent. So this scene, right? Jethro's not part of Israel. He's his pagan Midianite father-in-law. But Moses knows him. He comes in. They greet each other. And so then Moses told his father-in-law all that Yahweh had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come on then in the way and how Yahweh had delivered them. Yeah, it's amazing. He's been leading us with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Every morning we wake up and we have food, like amazing bread. We call it manna. And, and, and then every night we've got meat. He struck a rock, a rock and water came out of it. Wow, God's doing amazing, miraculous things for us. And Jethro's like, okay. Jethro rejoiced for all the good Yahweh had done to Israel in that he did deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. That's amazing. It is amazing when you think about it and you even take just a few minutes to think about the hand of God just working for Israel directly, amazingly. It's, it's cool. It's a great testimony. Look what the Lord has done for us. That's the testimony, right? And it's not anything Moses had done or an incredible story of deliverance. And it does touch Jethro. So Jethro says, Blessed be Yahweh, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the gods because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Big love fest. <laughs> Jethro says, hey, I'll sacrifice to this God. God's greater than everything. Boy, he's greater than all gods. And they ate bread and they're hanging out. And what it doesn't say, 
Are you you catching? And Jethro got circumcised and became of Israel. And Jethro joined them. And Jethro became a believer in this amazing God. Well, it doesn't say that. But he did some sacrifices. He remains a priest of Midian, but he's suitably impressed who wouldn't be with the incredible deeds of God. He, and he's a wise man. He's been living a long time according to the ways of the world, right? He's practical too because there's, there's more to the story. The next day, it says, Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, now, now what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? That's his father-in-law, right? He doesn't have any real standing in Israel. He's not, he's not a leader of Israel. He has no authority from anyone. But he sees Moses working all day, and he says, what are you doing? That's not very practical, Right? That's what he says. Moses said to his father-in-law, well, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come and I decide between one person and another and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Okay, this is really interesting if you're a thinker at all because they're sitting at the base of Mount Sinai. What, 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 What laws are there? Well, the Ten Commandments. No, 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 that's chapter 19 and 20. That hasn't come yet. He's just talking to them practically about God and the ways of God and the God that he knows and the God that met him. He, he has the, the, the interaction he had with him at the burning bush. He's got the interactions he's had with them over the place. He's got the fathers that, that he's, he's, he's now knows about and it's the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of, and of Jacob. He's doing all he can to teach them. He wants the people to know God. All the commands that he has in this shadow of Sinai overhanging them. And God's, God's going to specifically talk to Moses. But Moses is going, wow, I want people to know God. And he's working at it. He's, he's making them know the rules and to talk to them about this incredible God. And, and then the, the Midianite priest, the father-in-law, has a, a, has a suggestion. That's not good what you're doing. Moses. So mothers, I'm just saying that because that's what the text says. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for, for this thing is too heavy for you. You will not be able to do it alone. Interesting. This is too heavy. Like trying to hold up your hands all day. You need help. And what's the thought he's giving us, this father-in-law? You can do it. Get some more people involved. Right? You can't do it alone. You can accomplish this. But what you really need are the right people. The right structures. The right programs the right administration, the right things. If we would build this rightly, it'll work and you'll accomplish the thing that you want to accomplish. 
non-practical. He says, let me lay it out for you. And so he does. Now obey my voice, says the father-in-law. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they may, must do. That, you're doing great. You can do this. Represent the people, bring their cases to God, warn them about the laws, teach them how to walk, what they've got to do, and this is good. You'll make it happen. But you might fail because, because you've got the wrong structure. So here's what to do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure and all the people also will go to their place in peace. Okay, just, just, just survey this with me for a moment. Wait, it's the Old Testament. Good advice? Yeah. I mean, I step back and go, whoa, that's, that's, I like what he's doing there on a, at least superficial level. There's very practical. Moses is getting worn out. So the father-in-law comes on and says, what you need to do is you need to develop a pyramid structure. You know, have like people over the big number of people and then smaller people under them that can report to that guy and then smaller people under them and they can report to that guy. And, and then you can be at the top and you handle just the big things and it'll flow. And you can accomplish. Right? You just take the really hard cases and they can deal with the, the easy stuff. And if you do that, God will direct you and it will work. It sounds really reasonable. It sounds very practical. And there's some excellent wisdom. And so Moses does it. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law. He did all he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel, made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. And then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Well, all good, right? I mean, practical structure, put it in place. Moses can now endure. The people can now get their problems handled. Everything can work. And Jethro tootles off on his way back to where he came from to continue being a priest of Midian. Pagan that he is. And now we head towards Mount Sinai. What in the world, Swanson? Why are we sitting through all these stories? How am I supposed to help me? So easy to read this, isn't it? So easy to read this as make sure you get a little help. Make sure you do. Don't live life alone. There's wisdom in that. There is. It's true. But I want to challenge you a little bit deeper this morning with these, with these stories that go together. And the way they go together 
in the language that they use, and they're meant to be tied if you look at the Hebrew, is that it's too heavy. And there's solutions that are given for the heaviness. Right? Do you, you do know this is how it's written, right? Most conservative Christians think at the end of Moses' life for the people that would live after him, it points ahead to the incredible good news of who? Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, for us, Jesus, who is seen in Joshua leading his people, he's the commander of the armies of the Lord. And Joshua meets with him. In fact, Joshua's name is Yeshua, right? Jesus. That's the Hebrew name for Jesus. It's not wrong to look and say, oh, what's Joshua doing? Because I'm interested in that because, because he's a representative of Jesus. So, so Jesus, seen in Joshua, leading his people in the promised land. In fact, there he is. And you have these two pictures to encourage us to trust not people with a little help, but God. And not yourself, especially around the practical coming of the law. So, so there's two pictures of how the law is too heavy for us, because you know, you know how this is going to turn out, right? You know. Hey, with a little help and the right structure, the people will do well. Do they do well? I already know the answer, and you do too. The answer is no. Well, did they not have the right structure? We know the whole story. So will you see with me for a minute that we have tasted of Christ? How? Well, here's the first story. Yeshua's on the ground, right? Fighting the enemies of God. The the representative of the law, Moses, he's holding forth the wonder of God's law and the tabernacle and the priesthood with him. Sure, right? Shining, but weak. Why is it weak? Because people are weak. He can't keep his arms up. So you have God's direct word to Joshua, to Yeshua. I will destroy the the evil enemy against you. There's no mention of Moses in that. God says he will. I will destroy the enemy and he's going to do it through Yeshua, right? Through the Joshua to come. Not dependent on whether Moses keeps his hands up. That's kind of cool. We know the weakness of the law is in the flesh of man. We cannot hold it up. We cannot lift it high. We grow weary and we fall. If success is dependent on you or on me, even the best of us, we we don't do it, right? And here's Moses, who represents the law. And he can't. He wants to. It can get a boost from her. Man, look at the tabernacle. It can get a boost from the human priesthood. Let's do a sacrifice. But we will fail. We will not hold to its precepts. We will not hold it high. We will not keep its commands. We will not hold up our end of the bargain. Even if it's only to keep our hands up, right? You do not today. It's not a little, uh, hey, can you give me a little help here and I'll get out of anxiety. Can you give me a little encouraging word and all of a sudden things will be okay? It is Christ for you who saves you. 
And he has done it, has he not? Jesus alone, not Moses. And that's the first story. And then there's a second story just along with it. In the shadow of Sinai, here comes the law. And here they sitting in the base of the mountain. And, and here comes Moses. And he's trying with all his might to inform the Israelites of the rules and the laws of God. That's what he's doing, right? If only he can teach them well enough. If only he can get enough information out there. If only he can tell them enough about God. Surely they'll hear it and it'll be enough for them. And stop calling me Shirley. Because it doesn't work, right? But the law can go out. People can obey it. And his pagan father-in-law, in his excellent worldly wisdom, and it is excellent, says, hey, hey, multiply yourself. He could write. He could write. I don't know. Who's the guy that does the business books that are so awesome? He could write a self-help business book on how to like do things right. Multiply yourself is a fantastic principle. Teach others to do what, what you don't have time to do. And then you can do the things that you really need to do. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Just take on the top cases and let other people apply the rules under you and handling the small stuff and you can get through, you can endure, you can make it. The problem is this, it's not true. It's not true. They won't get through it with a little more instruction. The very best structures are not the problem. The law is simply too heavy for us to endure, period. Training enough people in it's not the problem, developing a Mishnah and a Talmud and explanation of the law so it's not dependent on one person. The, the issues will never cease because it is a burden too heavy. That's the story. We listen to people with practical, good practical wisdom. They come and say, hey, do it a little differently. Do it this way. Do it that way. Do it whatever way. And those are not wrong. They're good practical. It just misses the point that the story's making for you. Our problem's deeper. We know that's true. Here's John chapter 1, verse 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Oh, it was marvelous. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's a whole nother way. Right? Grace and truth came through Jesus. When we come to the end, when we see we're too tired, when we cannot hold it up, the issue is not, can I get in a couple few more people to help me hold me up? The, the issue is, uh, there's a whole nother way. Let it down. Let it kill you. I'm not good enough. What I need is a savior. Oh, praise God, there is one. Grace and truth came through Jesus. The issue is not stronger arms, helpful images and more judges. It isn't even sacrifices and mediation from a human priest to reset the equation. Our hope is in the coming Jesus, the Jesus who will say to you today, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, what sweet, sweet words. I don't know what burden you are bearing today, but the chances are very good because we are fleshly people that you are bearing one. And it is related to the law. 
It is related to the should of your life that you're not doing, the places in your life that aren't very good, that you have trouble standing up and you sometimes might get help from people to help you accomplish the law that you think you need to accomplish. You will be the parent you ought to be. You will be the worker you should be. You, you will try to make your world be as you think it ought to be ordered and you will get practical counsel from many places that is good counsel and wisdom to try and get you to the place that you think you ought to go and at the end it will be a wall because God loves you and he says the only chance you have is that I forgive you in Christ that's outside the law it's too heavy for you God does not say, okay, I will make you stronger. God says, Joshua will do it. Yeshua will come. And we come to him, all who are heavy laden. He gives rest, he gives forgiveness, he carries the burden, he takes the commandments, and he nails them to the cross for you and all the wonder of sin forgiven forever. And, 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 and we are headed, I will tell you, we are headed to Sinai. We are gonna spend some weeks on the Ten Commandments. I want you to feel them and hear them and know them. the wonder and the beauty of the law. And, and let me tell you though, the burden will be too great. So we say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who will rescue me from this body of sin and death? Jesus Christ will. He has. Speak that to each other. Know it's true. Never forget, never stop. The forgiveness that you need is in Christ alone. There is therefore now no condemnation for every single person who is in Christ Jesus. Wow. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this book of Exodus. Even thank you, Lord, for these stories. We struggle to make sense of them. But Lord, looking ahead to the law, our need for structure, our need for rules, and our inability, Father, we, we desperately need to come again to the cross. So we do that today, Lord. We come again to Christ and what he's done for us. We come again and receive forgiveness. We lay our burdens down because you carry them. And Lord, I pray for those of us, especially in this room today, who have them and don't know how to let them go, that you would take them away. Lord, you would help us to walk in the freedom of you have us every moment. Continue to teach us, Lord. This is too heavy for us. Thank you for the rest that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen.